Hello everyone, I'm Ryan and welcome to Something You Already Know podcast in episode 4. In every history book, there's one topic that we must always study and be taught from elementary till we are in college or even I think we have to study it for life. It is about racism. The reason for me to talk about this topic because I feel it is really essential and important nowadays when there's so many bad things happen to the black community and the racism with me has taken into a new level. It is hard to believe there's so many scars on their bodies as well as their souls. Throughout so many years, many previous generations have sacrificed themselves to fight for justice and equality for not only African American but also other races in the US nowadays. So I think we have to remember it. So today, let's discuss about it, okay? This will be three episodes on this topic because the story, the events around this topic are so vast and important. So I want to spend time talking about it more. In this episode, I would like to go back to 20th centuries, from early 1940s to 1970s, where I believe that the fight for the civil rights movement and the racial system of America was so inhumane and left the consequences for today. We will see how it changed through time. Is it worse or is it better? I always remember Dr. Martin Luther King used to say this. Darkness cannot drive darkness. Only light can do it. Racism is something Americans of all generations have witnessed. Many people fail to believe that race isn't a biological category, but an artificial qualification of people with no scientifically variable facts. The race will create socially primary by how people perceive ideas and faces we are not quite used to. The definition of race all depends on where and when the word is being used. Racism is just the system of racial discrimination and prejudice. The concept of race as classifying people can be seen as misleading people and is involved in the quality of human life. During the civil rights movement, there was many revolutions made by African Americans in order to gain the justice for them. As you know, the South area was made famous for the cotton field and the slavery, of course. They have a long history of racism, the rise of KKK, lynching, execution without trial, and the inequality and African American through generation have written so many heroic history that the next generation will never forget. Blood was shed, life was lost, to sacrifice for freedom, for equal, and for the future of Americans. Like in the spirit, I have a dream of Dr. Martin Luther King. He used to say this. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hill of Georgia, sons of former slave and the son of former slave owner would be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by their color of their skin, but by their content of their character. Looking at recent events that happened to George Floyd and Jacob Black and recently Breonna Taylor and reflecting back to the past on what racism and abuse of power a police department did to the black people. I think that's one word to summarize everything up. Violent, which was one of the acts of racism. They once said, when the language is helpless, violence is to the throne. Indeed, when you go against something unequal and or disturbing, there's no way you will have a peaceful protest because the law enforcer 
who are being respected will not leave it alone. See what our king president do at this time. He ordered the special troops to stop the protester on the street by shooting and throwing tear gas at them. And he himself, well, he just walked to the church near the White House and took a photo with the Bible. I just don't understand why did he do that? For what action? For what reason? A real leader of a nation would never do it. And a true leader will know how to deal with it. That situation. Return back to the word rape, violent. Everyone must be familiar with the event of Selma in 1965, which was, which was one of the, the most important events during the civil rights, which they call Bloody Sunday. According to the website Black Pass, 600 Negro began a 54-mile march from Selma, Alabama, to the state capital in Montgomery, led by Martin Luther King and John Lewis. They were mourning the death of Jimmy Lee Jackson, who had been shot on February 18 by the state trooper while trying to protect his mother during the civil rights demonstration. After the Negro crossing the Edmund Peaches bridges on Selma outskirts, why state troopers attacked them. When the protester refused, the officers shot tear gas and went into the crowd beating the non-violent protester with a billy club and hospitalizing over 50 people. They knocked many people to the ground and beat them with a nice stick. Another detachment of troops fired tear gas while mounted trooper charged with the matcher. You know, 17 matchers were hospitalized and 50 treated with lesser injury. How horrific it was. However, on March 21st, the final successful march began with federal protection, and on August 6, 1965, the Federal Voting Act was passed, which completes the process that Dr. King had hoped for. In the past, there was one case that everyone must be familiar with the phrase separate but equal, which was a term based on Jim Code law. It's asserted that um, African Americans should be equal to the white community. They would have separate swimming pool, eating places, restroom, and public school. And this concept was supported a lot by white community. One of the very famous cases that applied to that concept was Brown v. Board of Education. In 1950, Linda Brown, a third grader, was required by law to attend the school for black children in the, her hometown in Tropical, Kansas. To do so, Linda had to walk six blocks, crossing a dangerous railroad track, and got into the bus that took her to Monroe Elementary. And yet, only seven blocks from her house was Sumner Elementary, a school attended by white children only, and which Linda would otherwise have attended if it was not because of the stupid segregation. Seeing that interested, which his daughter had gone through, her father, Oliver Brown, encouraged by NAACP Chief Counsel Thurgood Marshall, who later became the one of the nine justices in the Supreme Court, brought the suit against the Topeka School District. So we can see that racism is not only through the harsh word or action, but it also through the way people went to work, went to school, or just the way they walk. The case was named after the lawsuit filed in 1951 by NAACP lawyer against the Topeka Kansas School District on behalf of Linda Brown and her family. By the time Brown's case made into the Supreme Court in 1954, 
It had been combined with four other similar school segregation cases into a single unified case, which meant not only happened in Kansas, but this story also happened around the country. On May 17, 1954, Justice Earl Warren said, in the field of public education, the doctrine of separate but equal had no place, meaning the segregated school is unequal and unjust, and it had to be stopped. So, talking about education, the great Nelson Mandela used to say this, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Indeed, but in that time, African-Americans did not have that power of education in their hand because the society kept them away from studying and of course, they follow their Uncle Jim. Three years after the Brown Edu- Board of Education, Little Rock Nye, a group of African-American high school students who challenged racial segregation in Little Rock Central High School of Little Rock, Arkansas. According to the journal article, the Little Rock School Desegregation Crisis moderation and social conflict. On page 603, written by Karen Anderson, it said like this, Nine students Melba Patillo, Ernest Green, Elizabeth Eckford, Minnie Jean Brown, Terence Roberts, Carlota Woods, Je- Jefferson Thomas, Gloria Gray, and Thelma Mothershed, become the center of struggle, the sacred public school in the South, where they at Little Rock Central High School, which until they have been all why? Students was warned that their action might kill them, but with their courage, they still did what they had to do. Meanwhile, what happened next? Governor overall Eugene Fabers sent 270 soldiers to block the school gate and protect the student. Little Rock Knights faced physical abuse, verbal attack from the white student throughout their study at Central High. Nobody could describe that horrific moment that they have been through. One of the students, Minnie Jean Brown, could not take it anymore and she fought back and was expelled. We cannot blame her action because when they're being pushed too hard, they had to fight back for themselves. The, re- the remaining eight students had attended school for the rest of academic year at the end of ni- 1958. Senior Ernest Green became the first African-American to graduate from Little Rock Central High School. There could be blood everywhere when African-Americans walk in. The acts of racism continued to fear people. People could see the horror and the inhumane of people when they treat people with different races. White people would do anything to make the life of African-American harsh and suffering, including education. During that time, I think it would be a big mistake if we don't talk about the role that played an important part in the road to the freedom along with protesting and marching. It was the role of African-American women. There were a lot of African-American women strong enough to fight along with African-American men. But some were weak and powerless. I must say that African-American women have suffered a lot from racism and equal, which they lost their life, their reputation. During the first year of my college, I have, attend, I have a chance to know the story of Henrietta Lacks through the book The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Slough. Back in the 1950s, Henrietta Lacks, a poor Virginian tobacco farmer, the great-great-granddaughter of slaves, she was born in 20, 1920 and she lived with 
an aggressive civil, cervical cancer which until killed her in 1951 when she was only 31 years old, leaving behind her five children in her, and her husband. In the science fields, however, Henrietta Lacks were only known simply as Hila from the first two letters of her first and her last name. Sales from Mrs. Lacks' service can survey. Taken without her knowledge, was the first to grow in culture, becoming immortal and changing the face of modern medicine forever. There are, Mrs. Scott read like this, trillion more of herself growing in laboratories now than there ever in her body. Let end to end her word healer cell today would wrap up a rather a tree time. But the doctor of John Hopkins Hospital at that time took her cell without her permission. Eventually, they left her die without saving her. The lack of responsibilities and the insensibility of doctor was unacceptable because they had no gut to face their action. Doctoring is a job, as I think, to save people. They have a gift and they must use that gift to have pension, to save life without segregating based upon their races. Those doctors did not deserve to be a doctor because they have no heart and no capacity. An act of racism and they hide this story from the society and people in Henrietta's family. The story of Henrietta is a one of the clearest examples of racism during the civil rights movement on African-American women. No power, no rights, no strength to fight back. Racism on African-American women also show to the sexual harassment. Before the story of Henrietta Lacks, which shocked the world, Reese Taylor, a story that reinterpreted the history of America's civil rights movement in terms of sexual violence committed against black women by white men. Reese Taylor was a young wife and a mother. In 1944, she was walking home from church service. She attended in Abbeville, Alabama, when she was abducted by sick armed white men, raped and left blindfold by the side of the road. They threatened to kill her if she ever told anyone. The detail of that horrific inhuman harassment was described in the book At the Dark End of the Street by Daniel L. McGuire. Her, di- her description is as follows on page 16. Lopet, one of the rapers, walked Taylor to the car and shoved her into the back seat. Three men piled behind her. Wipe four other squeeze into the front. The headlights switched off and the car crept away. Lovett grabbed his gun and waved Taylor and his companion out of the car. Not only stopping there, but the harassment was also being gone further and described even more horrifically on page 17. Sobbing, Taylor pulled off her clothes. Please, she cried. Let me go home to my husband and my baby. Lovett spread an old hunting coat on the ground and told his friend to strip down their sock and her and their undis- and the shirt and order Taylor to lie down. Lovett passed his rifle to a friend and took off his pen. Hovering over the young mother, it's not actually like you do with your husband or I will cut your goddamn throat. Wait, that sound familiar? It's not familiar to me. Or maybe it's you sound familiar too. Oh, I see. It is exactly what women have been through these days. Not only black, but also other women from different races. 
power of man over woman had existed a long time before the sexual violence and had happened a long time in the long decade. Later on, the story of Rishi Taylor was reported to the NAACP where a young woman by the name of Rosa Park became the lead investigator on the case and together they, just, they sought justice. But the justice wasn't an option in the era of Jim Crow. The men who tried to destroy it never being prosecuted. The name Rosa Park was not strange to anyone around the world because of what she did. What she dedicated was heroic and meaningful. On the cold December evening in 1955, Rosa Park quietly inside a revolution by just sitting down. She was tired after spending a day at work as a department store seamstress. She stepped on the bus for the for the ride home, and she sat in the fifth row, which was the first row in the color section. The bus was full, and the passenger had to stand up. The white passenger, I mean. The driver ordered Rosa to move to the back. Three riders complied, and Park did not. Later, they addressed her and put her in jail for with ten dollars of bail. In 1955, Montgomery bus boycott began which often considered as opening scene of the civil rights movement, was in many ways the, la- the last act of a decade-long struggle to protect black women like Taylor from sexualized violence and rape. Talking about boycott, direct non-violent action by African-Americans achieved its, must, its first major succeed in Montgomery, Alabama. By Bus boycott in 1955, led by Martin Luther King Jr. and E.D. Jack Nixon. This protest was prompted by the quiet but defiant acts of Rosa Parks. 90% of Montgomery Black citizens stayed off the bus. That afternoon, the city minister and the leader met to discuss the possibility of extending the boycott into a long-term campaign. During this meeting, the MIA was formed and kings were elected as a president resistant to african-american demand and the desecration of montgomery bus were finally overcome when the supreme court ruled in november 1956 which based its decision on 40th amendment's guarantee of equal protection under the law rule that segregated public buses were unconstitutional move the boycott with a succeed you know, mother love is the most precious miracle that ever happened to everyone's life. She loved us with all her heart, and with her, we are a precious treasure. They said when a mother lost her child, she lost the whole world. It's true, and I always consider this following story as such a horrible and haunted tragedy upon my life, because I can see the inhumane of the society and the cold blood of those maniacs Emmett Till, 14 years old boy who went to Money, Mississippi to visit his family, was brutally killed for flirting with a white woman by saying, Bye, baby. Later on, the killer who was that white woman's husband and her brother came to the house of Emmett's uncle and forced him to get inside the car. They met Emmett carry a 75-pound cotton jean fan to the banks of Tallahatchie River. 
on and ordered him to take off his clothes. The two men then beat him nearly to death, gouged out his eyes, shot him in the, the head, and threw the body tied to the cotton jean fan with bare wire into the river. After his death, Emmett's mother, Mummy Till, was so shocked and horrified, but she had to have her strength inside her because she knew that she had to do something to make sure that her son could be remembered and recognized forever. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, it's just my emotional when I when I reading about this. Later on, Mommy Tail told in her memoir, Death of Innocent Death, when I began to make an announcement that Emmet had been found and how he was found, the whole house began to scream and to cry. That's when I realized that this was a load that I was going to have to carry. I, I wouldn't get any help carrying this load. <laughs> Horrified and desperately by the mutilation of his son's body, Mommy made a stunning decision that Emmet would have an open casket funeral. I think you should have checked the image of Emmet Till's body online to see how horrible it is and how those maniacs have done to that boy. She believed that everyone needs to know what had happened to her son. Some 50,000 people went to Emmet's funeral to view his corpse in Chicago with many people living in tears or fainting at the sight and the smell of the body. Those people, Brian and Milam, who killed Emmett, were not found guilty because the authority couldn't recognize the body. Once again, Chester hadn't done yet, Larissa Taylor. After Mommy wrote her memoir, she answered in an interview in tears a few days before she passed away that, I focus on my son while I consider this book. The result is in your hand. I'm experienced, but not cynical. I'm hopeful that we can all be better than we are. I've been broken heart, but I still maintain an oversight capacity for love. You can uh, you can see the example of Emmett Till and reflect to Brianna Taylor nowadays. When the justice, I, I just don't know it had not been done. I believe that even though we are living in any generation, if we are different races than Caucasian, there will be no justice for us. Even though we're marching, we're protesting, it's still come back. A full circle is come back. It cannot get away from the circle. Even though how many times we want to change, how many times we ask for change. So I guess that if really they're just it, it's only by we fight for it. If we don't fight, just it with just a word and it cannot be done. Throughout many blood events, well, finally in 1968, Eight, President Johnson had finally signed the Civil Rights Act and the right to vote 
for African Americans. But was this the end of racism in this country? I said. I said. I don't think so. People still having the Confederate flag. They still honoring it. People are still having the cult like KKK, and many more racism cult. People are still holding that white supremacy, and people are still raising hate inside their heart. It has not been over yet. It is continuing every day. Well, this is all for episode four of Something You Already Know podcast. I want to um, spend a few minute, last minute. I want to say that I want to share my emotion and my love with the family of Brianna Taylor. I believe that if the government cannot help us, together we can help each other. Don't let the death of Brianna Taylor forgot. Don't let her name being forgotten. We had to remember her. We had to honoring her because it is the clearest example. Of how this country is being led, of how this country being built, of how this country being ruled, it must be changed by any chance. So the only thing we can do is vote. Go vote right now on November 8th. Go vote because I know vote can change. If it is the only way, so do it. Vote. That's it. So, I will return next week for the second part of this topic, and promise with you that it will be more tragic. I'm Ryan, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you, and see you again.